All right. Uh, <clears throat> well, good morning. Happy New Year. Are you ready to learn about how to be happy weird? I love the Stanford band. I don't know how many of you were watching the Rose Bowl. Uh, and if you were, ESPN uh, Big Brother uh, didn't let us watch it very long. But I'll, I'll tell you what happened. And the reason I love the Stanford band is because they are weird. Every, every, every year they're weird. I think uh, uh, two, uh, four years ago, they did uh, a halftime show about Snapchat, whatever that is. And then uh, three years ago, when they were playing Wisconsin, they did a halftime show uh, about an ode to cheese. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then this year, <laughs> bless their hearts, they, they, they came out and they did, uh, they did a FarmersOnly.com commercial. They were playing Iowa, you see. And, uh, and so they, they came out as kind of a, a maze of cornfield and, uh, and they had this cow. That, that came out and walked around and they played the FarmersOnly.com commercial. Now, who doesn't love FarmersOnly.com? Please. I mean, they got the best commercials on television and it doesn't tempt me to spend any money. I just enjoy, enjoy their commercials. I can't wait until they play Tennessee. I want to see what they do with Rocky Top. You know, they'll come out on the field as, as a barefoot or something. You know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be great. You gotta like it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, 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 uh, I love that. I love this band because they're weird. Uh, there's good weird and there's bad weird. Okay. Uh, but let me give you a definition for weird. Let us, let us start out with a working definition for weird. Okay. Uh, working definition for weird is trying to use a remote that isn't turned on. That, yeah. A working definition for weird is, is this. Other than normal. And I started to say other than natural, but that didn't, that, that's not right. Because normal is not necessarily natural. So let's go with other than normal. You know, and like when it comes to the, uh, when it, when it comes to the, to the Stanford band, I mean, uh, is it not normal for 18 to 22 year olds to want to dress up in crazy clothes and run out on, on a football field and have a lot of fun? That's normal. No, that's weird. Normal is to everybody dress the same and march out and we'll play medleys from rock bands of the 70s. That's normal, but it's not weird. Now, normal can be good. Uh, There's normal blood pressure. That's a good thing to have. There's normal blood sugar. That's a good thing to have. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking... Uh, I'm sure there's, there's some other good normal stuff. Most of it has to do with bodily functions. I will say that. (laughs) But normal's not necessarily always good. Weird can be much better sometimes. In fact, probably the weirdest person who ever lived was this guy. And this isn't the, the, the face that we're normally accustomed to, but that's how Rembrandt pictured him. Jesus of Nazareth was weird. The people that he hung out with. We're not the kind of people that people hang out with if you've got a choice about who to hang out with. The people that he chose to be on his team. I don't know if they, do they, do they choose teams up anymore? I mean, when I was a kid, I know on the playground, they'd choose teams up. And when they'd choose teams up, you know, you'd have two captains and, 
and they'd alternate making, they, it was a draft, it was draft day, you know, and you'd pick the best player, you know, and there would always be somebody left who didn't get picked or something like that, or come down to the last two or three. Uh, those were the guys Jesus picked to be on his team. That's weird. And if that's not weird enough for you, he turned water into wine. He walked on water. He raised three people from the dead. He took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 people with it. That's, that's weird. Who, who does that? How many of you have done that? See, you're normal. He's weird. Not only that, if you, if you really want to consider how weird he is, consider some of the things that he said and actually did. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Is that normal? No. That's weird. And if you want even more weird, he was born of a virgin. That's not normal. If you want even more weird, he was resurrected from the dead. And he ascended into heaven. Weird can be very good. Jesus was. Okay, we got weird established. Now, happy. Happy and joy. Happiness and joy. Very similar. Uh, very, very close uh, in their in their feelings. Uh, uh, joy is generally seen as a deeper, more lasting feeling, but that's not to diminish the value of happiness. I, I, happiness is real important. Last week, uh, we talked about the uh, undoubtable wisdom of uh, the 1960s. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. That's not true. There's no guarantee there. You can marry the ugliest girl in the world and be miserable. Especially if she can't cook and she don't like you. And she just married you for your money and discovered after you got married that you didn't have any. And you can marry a beautiful girl and be very, very happy. And I am evidence of that. Yeah, and that is evidence of the grace of God being functioning in the world. Uh, so what is happy? What's, what's that all about? Um, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and it's kind of become sort of a, of a, um, um, a, a catchphrase, especially in the Christian community, because it actually came from Oswald Chambers. And Oswald normally nails things, but I'm not sure he got this one. Uh, even though I have said it before, because I've ruminated on this more this week. Uh, happiness depends on what happens. Not really. Uh, C.S. Lewis takes it a little bit deeper, and he says, happiness depends on your perspective of what happens. It's what you think about it. Really good stuff can be happening to you, and you can be miserable. Or you can be in the middle of a tough situation and, and, uh, and come out with some happiness. Um, there was a, a novel back, I guess, early 20th century, Pollyanna. Uh, how many of you have ever read that? Wow, we've got quite a few Pollyanna people here who've read that. Well, that, that generally, that's kind of like the, oh, rose-colored glasses, isn't everything just wonderful? No, uh, we call that Pollyannaism, but that wasn't. Pollyanna's situation. Things were tough for her and her dad before she became an orphan taught her to always look for what was good in a situation. 
uh, and, and she could find happiness if she did that. And, and in doing so, in tough things, she totally turned around an entire village of people who, who, didn't, who didn't have that. It was a gift that she gave to them. And, and, and even uh, toward uh, the end of the book, when she was, uh, when she was crippled and, and unable to walk, she had a tough time with that, but she finally realized, well, I'm, I've still got my legs. I'm happy about that. I, I, I've got, I can't walk on them, but I can touch them. There they are. Yeah. So that's people. Happiness doesn't necessarily depend on what happens. It depends on what you, how you look at things. And C.S. Lewis says, says this. He says, don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. And that's usually where we pin it. And that's usually why we think of happiness as being such a fleeting thing. Uh, happiness is not, uh, it doesn't depend on what happens so much. It's a product of, uh, of what, it isn't necessarily a product of what happens to you, but it's a, it's a product of, of how you feel about it and how you're looking at it. And you can make happiness happen. Let's say you're, uh, let's say you've got a goal. Uh, let's say you want to win a race. And so you start training for that race. Well, that can make you very happy as long as your goal is not the goal. As long as it's not all wrapped up in that, because if it is all wrapped up in that and you don't get it, then you will be unhappy. Even though you'll be in much better shape than you would have been if you had spent the last six months sitting on a couch eating cookies, you'll still be unhappy because you didn't get that goal. Or if you did get it, you'll get it and you'll discover, and you'll be happy for a, a little while and then you'll discover, is this it? Is, is that all there is to it? Yes. So it's, it's actually, it's how we, uh, it's how we perceive things. It's how we, we look at things. And if you choose to have a bright outlook, put a positive spin on things, uh, you'll be happier. Now, let's put it in another context. Let's not call it Pollyannaism or rose-colored glasses. How about count your blessings? Does that work for you? So if you go through life and, and you count your blessings, then you'll be, you'll be happier. But, uh, you know, what can you actually do? To be happy besides look at things. What if I told you that I could teach you something that will make you happy for the rest of your life? Would you be interested in that? Grasshopper? I know I'm mixing my movies, but that's okay. You're with me. Yeah. Well, I am telling you that I can teach you something that will be instrumental in making you happy for the rest of your life. And it's something that you think you already know how to do. And in fact, it's probably something that you think you already do. Yeah. And when I tell you what it is, you're probably going to immediately go, who is this guy? What does he think? Why does he think I don't know how to do this? <coughs> well, I'm Ronnie Meek and... I'm the pastor, and maybe you do know how to do it, but a bunch of you don't know how to do it. So let's look at it for a second. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how to be generous. How to be generous. And you probably immediately go, well, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I came today because I don't have to listen to this because he's talking to everybody else. No, stay, stay with me because if I'm, if I'm not talking to you, you can amen me. And if I don't hear any amens, then I'll know I'm hitting my target. Say, <laughs> so, well, what do you mean? 
how to be generous. Let me tell you, first of all, what I'm not talking about. Generosity is not tithing. Has nothing whatsoever to do with tithing. That's a totally different issue. Uh, tithing is, has, is completely about obedience. Nothing to do with, with generosity. Those are, those are two completely separate things. Uh, and you may be going, well, are you saying that unless we tithe, we can't be generous? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're two separate things. I'm not talking about that at all. That's obedience. It's not generosity. Generosity also doesn't have anything to do with random acts of giving. Not really. Most of us are prone to random acts of giving. Most of us will. And in fact, when I first said generosity, I'm going to teach you to be generous, you probably immediately uh, defaulted to the time that you gave something to somebody. Well, I, I you know, I put I put a multi-dimensional uh, bill into the bell ringers bucket this year. Uh, of course, you know, I'm generous, or I, I gave to this offering, or I gave to that offering. But random acts of giving are not usually motivated by generosity. They're usually motivated by one of two things. One of those things is persuasion. I have two pastor friends who, uh, I love the guys, but I hate being in a congregation when they take up an offering, because they're good. One of them's Maury Davis, one of them's Eddie Turner. And they're both terrific. In fact, I, it, you know, I would like to invite them to church every week here to take the offering up. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and when, and when, but when, when they, when they had that microphone and they start, and they start talking about giving and they start talking about the offering and thing, man, you, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be something to walk out of there with anything left in your pocket. That's all there is to it. Because they're really good. But you know what? When you do that, when you give that way because somebody's really good at taking up an offering, you don't feel good about it when you leave. You don't feel thinking, wow, that was such a blessing to be able to do that. No, you leave thinking, why did I do that? Well, you didn't give because you were generous. You gave because they're good. They're really good at this. And that's often... What motivates our giving? Or we're motivated by guilt. We see the, 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 the pictures of abject poverty. We, we hear the, the sad stories. And, and I'm, not, I'm not at all uh, dissing those. There is abject poverty out there. there. There are plenty of sad stories. But how many of you have enough money to fix all the problems in the world? I'm just looking because if I see a hand, we're going to talk about ties. <laughs> of course you don't. In fact, you can't even fix a fraction of them. And whenever we give out of guilt because we have and they don't or we're in a better situation than they are, we don't feel good either. Or maybe we feel a little good. But it's not that it doesn't bring that that happiness, that a lifestyle of of generosity trans generosity transcends guilt in fact people who are generous are the most immune to the guilt pitch they're the most immune to it because they're already giving and they already know what they're going to do and they already that, that, that doesn't mean that they don't ever respond to that but they don't respond to it out of guilt they respond to it because they've already got this set aside 
And they decide, okay, this is one of the places that a portion of this is going because that's how their life is ordered. So this isn't about something you do occasionally, but it's something that you are. It's how, it's how to be generous, normal. Oh, generosity isn't normal. Yeah. Generosity isn't normal. Uh, you know what's normal? Uh, debt is normal. Uh, the average household that has credit cards uh, has close to $50,000 of debt. The average household that has credit cards pays over $2,500 in interest a year. And you may go, well, um, that's only 200 bucks a month or so. I mean, what, what can you do with 200 bucks a month? Uh, be generous. I mean, what could you do with it? Uh, the first thing, if your default is 200 bucks a month, let's see, if I had 200 bucks a month, then I could get that and this and that, or I could buy that coat, or I could, you know, a generous person would kind of go, if I had an extra 200 bucks a month, yeah, then I could support this, and I could begin to give on a regular basis to that. I could begin to change somebody's life with that. We don't. This is what this is what normal is. Normal is we don't feel like we're rich, but we are. We do feel we're generous, but we aren't. As a general rule, we don't feel like we're rich. But let me tell you, if you've got clean water. If you've got three meals a day. If you've got a a, a private home with indoor sanitation, if you've got more than two sets of clothes. To wear. Then on a world scale, you're rich. You're way ahead of where most of the world is living if you got those things. And we tend to think of ourselves as naturally generous. We're, we're generous. We're a generous nation. But the facts don't bear that out. Let me get right down to it. Now, you're really going to not like me after this, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. Uh, when, when, you, when, you ask, when you ask the average American how much money out of our budget do we send to foreign aid, most say high teens, around 20%, somewhere in there. Yeah. It obviously isn't high teens, around 20%. Yeah. Uh, it's 1%. And so when folks say, well, we can fix things if we just cut foreign aid, uh, 1%, guys, 1%. And when it comes to what what we do give to help other people, to help developing people, yeah, we give more money than anybody, but a percentage as a percentage of our gross national income, to be in the top five percent, you have to give seven tenths of a percent of your gross national income to be in the top five nations giving worldwide, because uh, they're the only ones who who meet that. Uh, we would have to quadruple are giving to make it to the top five. We're not in the top 50 right now. You still love me? Okay, that was pretty weak. (laughs) What is not normal is weird. And so just going with the flow and going, well, this is what everybody does, and I'm probably a little bit ahead of them, that's normal. That is normal thinking. That's not weird thinking. And being weird isn't, isn't driving a black SUV Cadillac while everybody else is driving a white SUV Cadillac. That's not breaking, that's not standing out from the herd. That's, that is part of the herd. What we want to do is learn how to really be weird. Uh, four myths about generosity. Uh, first myth, generosity is spontaneous. Uh, generous people are less spontaneous. They're less emotional in their giving. 
but they're more strategic. And rather than being spontaneous, they are strategic. Uh, it's not a matter of, you know what, I feel good today, I'll give some money today. No, uh-uh, they, most, if they're a generous person is going to enter into a month already knowing this is what I'm giving this month. Where do I, and they maybe, they maybe have, have a place to find it already. Maybe they not, but generosity is not really a spontaneous act. Generosity, another myth, generosity is about cash flow. Not true. It's not a matter of, I had a good year, so I'll be generous this year. Or, eh, man, it's been a tough month, so I can't be generous right now. Generous people are consistently generous. They're generous in the good times. They're generous in the bad times. They're generous in the in-between times. It's who they are. It's what their life is. It's, it's how they have ordered themselves and their life. The third myth about generosity, it's the amount that counts. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. No one knows if an amount is generous except the person who gave it and God in heaven. Two weeks ago, we took up a, an offering for uh, for Jordan. She didn't know it was for Jordan. There were probably maybe a half a dozen people in the church who knew it was who it was for, what it was for. But we took up an offering for her, and, and, and you guys, it was great. You blew me away. I was I was hoping that we'd be able to at least give her a few hundred dollars, you know. And we gave her over five grand. It was it was great. Uh, and obviously, in a in an offering of that size, there had been. You know, some pretty decent sized checks put in. I don't know. I, I, I didn't look at them. I don't know who gave what, but I suspect that there definitely were several three figure checks and possibly some four figure checks that were, that were put into that amount. And in the, in the normal, we would look at, if we were to see that list, we'd look at it and we'd look at that four figure check that somebody gave and go, wow, that's a generous person. We don't know that. Only God knows that. Only they know that. In fact, I'm quite sure that there probably were some two-figure checks and maybe some one-figure bills that were given that were larger gifts. We're aware of this story, but we tend to not, we tend to lose our grip on it because of the, uh, the importance of, 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 of money and prestige and appearance in our, in our culture. But Jesus, was standing by the temple treasury, watching people put, uh, put, put their money in. And all these rich people came and put in large amounts. And then uh, a widow came and put in two copper coins. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this is the truth. Listen to what I'm getting ready to say. This poor widow is put in more than all of the others. All of these people gave gifts out of their wealth. She, out of her poverty, put in what she had to live on. Heaven knows. Heaven is keeping an account. But now here's the thing. Everybody can be generous. You don't have to have a lot of money to be generous. You don't have to be able to stroke a big check to be generous. And oftentimes, the the lie that we believe is, well, I can't be generous because I'm poor. You can be the most generous. In fact, when it gets right down to it, poor people are by and large much, much more generous than rich people. And that, that, that leads us to the, the fourth myth here. Rich people are generous. No, no, rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. So it, it has nothing to do with the amount. Nothing whatsoever. 
to do with the amount. Everyone can be generous. All right, here's a definition for generosity. You won't find it in the dictionary. Uh, I actually got it from Andy Stanley. So that's somewhere between the dictionary and the Bible. That's it's pretty good. The premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. Premeditated, thought about, designated, calculated, emancipation of personal, personal financial assets. I know a man who generally carries around a $100 bill to see who the Lord wants him to give it to. He's a generous man. That's not the only giving that he does. But he generally carries around a $100 bill to see who the Lord wants him to give it to. You go, well, no, no, that's, a, that's spontaneous. No, no, it's premeditated. That $100 bill is not there for lunch. It, it, it's not there because he found a deal on a pair of shoes. You know, it's not there to buy gas. It's, it's, it is there for a premeditated purpose. That's why it's there. And it's calculated. It's not a $10 bill. $20 bill, $50 bill. It's not a $500 bill. I guess they make those. I don't know. But it's a $100 bill. So it's, it's been premeditated. It's been calculated. It's designated. So how can it be designated? He doesn't know who he's going to give it to. Uh, he knows he's going to give it to somebody, to whoever God says give it to. It's already been designated. And it's the emancipation of personal financial assets. When you free your money, you free yourself from your money. I mean, up and until until you free it, it's got you by the throat. Whether you have a lot or a little, we th- we think about it too much. I uh, I've been uh, over over the holidays. I've been reading some murder mysteries, and uh, and in one of them, um, there's an inheritance involved. Well, isn't there often in a murder mystery, right? And a family involved, and who's supposed to get the inheritance? And and apparently um, there had been some money offered earlier, and 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 some of the kids took it, and one of the kids didn't. It was like a it was like a million bucks that they were each offered, and the one who didn't kind of goes, "Well, surely you can't suspect me. I gave the money back. I refused to take it." And the guy said, "He said I don't care about money." He said, "Yes, you do. That's why you refuse to take it." You're as concerned about it as they are. Your, 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 your identity is tied up in the fact that I'm the one who sent the money back. That's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live free, just free. And when we're, and when we're able to, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, give all your money away. I, I, you know, I know it's what Jesus told the rich young ruler, and it's because money had such a grip on him, it was killing him. He knows you got to live. But this, this premeditated, calculated, I'm going to be generous on an ongoing basis. That's important. Okay. People who are generous. I'm almost finished here, but I want to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what the benefits are right away. And then I'm going to ask you to imagine something and then we'll be done. The benefits are this. People who are generous give more. They save more. They consume less and they are happier. Now, some of that seems obvious and some of it seems counterintuitive. Of course, they give more. Wow, that, that took some figuring out to do. But how can they give more and they save more? Well, they can. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to explain to you how that makes sense. It absolutely does. So it's important to be here to figure this out. 
and then they consume less. You go, well, I don't know if I want to consume less. Oh, come on. You, you can't even park your car in a garage. You've got too much stuff in there to get the car in. The reason, the reason you're going on a diet is because you consume too much. And that's also why you're going to go off the diet. It's because you consume more than you want to. More, more, than, more than you should. And it's not just your garage. You know, what's the good of a walk-in closet if you have to walk in it like this? <laughs> you know, kind of, let's see, is that one? Ugh. Because it's so full of all the stuff that you have. They consume less and they're happier. They're happier. And, and that's not just me saying that, uh, that, they're, that they're happier. Jesus, Jesus said it makes you happy. There is a quote that Jesus spoke that is not in the Gospels. And so we have a tendency to, um, uh, to not really know that it was Jesus who said it, though we kind of vaguely think maybe he did, because it's not in the Gospels, but it's in the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 20. Paul is saying uh, goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And in his goodbye to the Ephesian elders, he, uh, he says this, chapter 20, verse 35. And everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work that we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that has kind of lost its power because it's become a proverb. It's become a byword. Everybody's heard it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, we, we hear that. Uh, I, probably 20 years ago, maybe even longer than that, I was watching a, uh, an award show, and this guy won the award, whatever it was. It was an Emmy or something. And, and he got up and he said, uh, they say that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't believe that. You know? And everybody started laughing and kind of applauding you know, because they didn't believe it either. And we don't really believe it. It's not normal. It's counterintuitive. And really, you say, well, that says blessed. Well, blessed just means happy. It's more happy to give than to receive. And when we learn a lifestyle of generosity, happiness follows in its wake. Happiness is built in by the word of God. This isn't just a proverb. This isn't just a, a cute little saying that people put on plaques and stuff. It's more blessed to give and receive. These words were spoken by the same mouth that said, light be. And it was. By the same mouth that said, whoever believes in me will not die, but have eternal life. And it is more blessed to give. It's more happy to give than it is to receive. I want to ask you to imagine something with me. Imagine you have a bank account, not one that you already have, a separate bank account, a new bank account. And in that bank account is all of the money that you've wasted in the last five years. Let me think about that for a minute. And you may go, well, I haven't wasted any money for the last five years. Well, if that's what you think, you're, you're too clueless for me to help you. But that account would have at least hundreds of dollars in it and maybe thousands of dollars, maybe tens of thousands of dollars. Who knows? Just all depends. But imagine you got that. And here's two rules. One, you can't spend it on yourself. 
You can't spend it on you or your immediate family. You have to give it all away. And number two, you have to give it all away by December the 31st, 2016. You got one year to give it all away. You can give it all away at one time. You can give it away over, over, over time. You can wait till December and give it all away. But if you, if you don't give it all away, it's all lost. Okay. So you got, you got this chunk of money and you got to give it away this year to somebody else. Would 2016 be fun? I mean, wouldn't that be a kick? You spend the whole year kind of going, wow, I got this. Where am I going to give this money? This is so cool. Why wait until you've wasted another year? Why wait until the money is no longer recoverable? To waste it is normal. To be generous isn't. Now, here's the thing. Not only will you give more, you will save more if you're generous. And I'm going to next week really begin to lead you into what generosity, how you actually can be generous. You may think, well, I can't get there. Yes, you can. I'm going to lead you into that this, this, uh, over these next two weeks. And you need to come and you need to be sure your, your kids come. Because if they, if they get onto this real early and start saving real early, they'll have a whole lot more money to help you out when you're old. So you get them here, get them jazzed about it, okay? You listen to this. This is what this is what you need to do. Yeah. It's what we all need to do. Would you stand with me? Don't be normal. Be weird. Well, those who are going to pray with people, uh, come down front. It's normal to go, I got a problem. I got a need. I got to figure out a way to fix it. It's weird to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Uh, if you have a problem, if you have a need, if you have something that needs to be brought to the Lord, bring it to the Lord. Say, well, I've already prayed about it. Yeah, well, wherever two or three are gathered together, he's, he's there. There's more power. There's power. So come. Pray with these brothers and sisters. They'd like to touch and believe with you. And if you don't need to come, sing this song with us. Used to be for creation.